This was recorded live at Trinity Church in San Juan, Puerto Rico. For more information, go to trinitypr.org. Good morning. My name is Zach Lutz. I'm pastor here at Trinity Church. It's delightful to be with you all on even this rainy morning, although it looks like it has cleared up. We are continuing our sermon series in Jonah. And what we're exploring in the book of Jonah and I'm sure it's familiar to a lot of us, is this aspect of God's mercy, that God is merciful. God's mercy kind of offended Jonah. Um, God's mercy is deeper and more sophisticated than Jonah was willing to admit. And I think that God's mercy is deeper and more sophisticated and will surprise us if we study it in Jonah. Um, just to give a little recap of who Jonah is, in case you missed Ronnie's sermon last week, or like me, you're quite forgetful about Old Testament history. Um, Jonah is a prophet to the Old Testament kingdom of Israel, um, specifically the northern kingdom, because they've had a civil war of sorts. And these prophets were sent by God to the people of Israel in order to proclaim God's word to them and call them back to faithfulness. That was Jonah's job. But instead of being sent to the people of God, he's actually sent to the enemies of God. He's told to go to Nineveh, which is a city in Assyria, which was, in fact, Israel's enemy. You and I might be just as perplexed as Jonah was, uh, but Jonah had an answer. He said, that doesn't seem right. I don't think this is God. He goes the other way. Gets on a boat, tries to go as far away as he can from Nineveh. God, and I love this language, hurls a storm after the boat. So this this storm is tossing this boat to and fro. The sailors, who we're assuming have some experience, are terrified. Jonah, by some feat of events, is sleeping in the boat. They have to go wake him up. And his solution is, they they think that this is last right situation. They're like, hey, pray to your God because this is it. We're going down. Jonah wakes up and he's like, actually, no, that's probably not it. You just need to throw me overboard. And the sailors are like, that that seems like murder. I'm not about that. And so they don't do it. They try to row some more, and then finally they give up. They're just like, we're going to die if we don't do this. And they reluctantly pick him up, and they pray to God, and they say, please don't hold us accountable for this, and they toss him overboard. So our story picks up with Jonah sinking to the bottom of the ocean. And with that, I'd invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. We do this out of respect for God's word. We're starting in Jonah chapter 1, verse 17. Jonah is sinking to the bottom of the ocean. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then... Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight." 
yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. This ends the reading of God's word. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. May he bless it for you and for me. Please be seated. So today we're here to explore how to apprehend and experience God's mercy. And Jonah is going to teach us how to do that in two ways for for you note takers, by knowing ourselves and by knowing God. So how do we apprehend and experience God's mercy? By knowing ourselves and knowing God. First, knowing ourselves. Have you ever known someone who was like completely unaware of who they were? And usually this shows up in like some form of self-absorption and like narcissism, right? Like they just, they, they can't be wrong. They're so confident. At every turn, they're like, yes, this is the correct option. I think that all of us probably have some experiences of these kinds of people. But rather than use a real example, I'm going to use a fictional one, which is Michael Scott from The Office. If you haven't seen The Office, Michael Scott is a regional manager in a mid-sized paper company in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Make sure I'm getting all that right. How many times I've seen it, I should know that by heart. But Michael Scott is oblivious to who he is. And like, pick almost any episode, and you can see it on air. But there's one in particular that I'd like to bring up, mostly because it involves water. Um, Michael and Dwight, one of his employees, are riding in the car back from kind of a failed sales call. And so they put into the GPS the coordinates like back to their office or to the next sales call, something like that. I, I don't quite remember. Um, and as they're going, there's kind of this, this fork in the road, and there's a sharp right, and then there's a veer right. And the GPS just says, go right. And so Michael is like, all right, I'm going to turn right. And he starts going sharp right. But sharp right is clearly a boat loading ramp for the lake that they're next to. And so his passenger, Dwight, is pleading with him what are you doing? It clearly does not mean this way. This is the lake. And Michael's like, no, I don't know. It says go right. I'm going to go right. This is the right thing to do. So he turns, drives the car directly into the lake. Michael Scott is totally unaware of who he is. He's, he's totally self-absorbed. He's an exaggeration of probably what many of us have experienced, but... Um, that comedic part is funny. But, but nevertheless, he, he's blind to what other people have to say about who he is. He can't hear advice from other people, and so he does damage not only to himself, but to others. Sounds a lot like Jonah. Like, just run through this story again with me really quick. Jonah is so confident when he hears the word of God that it is wrong, he goes the other way. 
gets on a ship. He's so confident that when a storm hits, he's like, you know what the right thing to do is? Go to sleep. He's so confident when they wake him up and they're like, hey, you should pray to your God. And he's like, actually, prayer, that's not really what he wants. He wants me dead. Just throw me into the ocean. Like this prayer that we just read, Jonah could have prayed on the deck of the ship. But Jonah couldn't see himself yet. He wasn't at the end of himself. He couldn't understand God's mercy because he didn't understand who he was. But somewhere, after getting thrown out of the ship, sinking down, and we hear these, you know, this beautiful poetic language here, to the bottom of the ocean, being swallowed by a fish. And I think like most of us like to picture like a Pinocchio situation, like he has tons of room. Um, but something that kind of occurred to me recently is like, what if he didn't? What if he had like fetal position? And like every time the fish had to swim, he's like moving with the fish. Anyways, just a thought. The text doesn't tell us, so I don't know how, how it worked. Um, but I imagine that somewhere in there in that three days, three days, he gets to the end of himself. It takes him three days before he, can say, before he can see God's mercy at work in his life. Look at verse 3. Jonah can say in his prayer, you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. The flood surrounded me. All of your waves and your billows passed over me. See, after three days, which is an extraordinary amount of time, Jonah can now see how far away he was actually from God and how desperately he needed God's mercy. He didn't know it before because he didn't realize he was depending on it. Once he saw himself rightly, he realized how merciful God had been to him. And so we see this transition in Jonah's prayer. In verse 6, where he can say, Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. You know, in chapter 1, he says that he serves the Lord and God, the maker of heaven and earth. Now it's his God. He's recognizing now that God's mercy went further than he could have ever imagined. So we learn from Jonah that in order to fully apprehend and experience God's mercy, we actually have to know ourselves. We have to know how desperately we need God's mercy. And there's many ways to get at this, but I want to focus on just one as far as how do we see ourselves better. Uh, And it's a really difficult thing to do. Because, you know, the point of the story of Jonah is that we're not supposed to be like Jonah, like we're not supposed to, like, find ourselves at the bottom of the ocean. We're supposed to, like, look, read that story and be like, man, I shouldn't be Jonah. I should probably figure out how to do this beforehand. And really, it involves praying that God would show you, and often the way that God does that is through other people in your life. So if you want to understand yourself better, you should go to those people who know you best and say, show me my blind spots. Because here's the thing about blind spots. We are, in fact, blind to them. That's why they're a blind spot. Um, we have our shame. Those are the sins that we know. Those are the sins that we try to hide, and they're, they're important. You know, they need to be paid for by Jesus as well. But we also have these things that we're proud of. They're kind of who make us us. 
And so when people give feedback and critique against that version of us, it unsettles us deeply. We tend to respond in anger or other, some sort of other like self-infliction, and we've got to change, we've got to be, we've got to have a perfect image. But asking others who trust and know you to show you your blind spots requires that you die to yourself is the language that the New Testament will use. And we kind of see that right now with Jonah. He uses language out of the belly of Sheol, which is like the underworld. It's where the dead reside. It's like they died and they're resting here. He considers himself dead and he has to die to these things that he thinks defines him. And he's got He's got to have them resurrected in light of God's mercy. In order to understand, experience, and apprehend God's mercy, we have to know who we are. But knowing ourselves isn't quite enough. We also have to know God. And and knowledge is, is kind of a tricky thing especially with God. So um, actually, our word know, uh, for you Spanish speakers, they can do this. They have a kind of a natural intuition better on this because they have these two verbs for know, saber and conocer. But if you don't know that, I'm just going to use a different example. Although I suppose I could use like, um, you know, we know facts, but then Adam also knew his wife Eve. But I figured I would go with a different illustration if that's okay with you. Um, One Christian thinker that I know uses the example of a map of your hometown. And you can have map knowledge, but you can also have lived experience. And so by way of example, when we moved to Puerto Rico, I live like maybe a mile from here. uh, And I could not get home from this building without using GPS for months. Now, part of that is because when I would try, I think that like the way that Fort Buchanan designed those streets was like some sort of secret ploy to prevent an invasion onto their base. But you have to like go through like 10,000 loop-de-loops to get to where you want to go. Um, for those of you that know that area, that have some lived experience of that area. You see, I could have the map knowledge, but when I took it away, I didn't have the lived knowledge to actually know which way I was supposed to turn at a given time. And that even comes with other benefits in lived knowledge, like knowing where those potholes are that you really need to swerve for. Knowing those red lights that people won't stop for. Lived experience gives you something that map experience can't. And this is especially true in relationships. Like my wife. I could tell you a lot of facts about my wife. I arguably know the most facts about my wife as anyone in this room. I can tell you her social security number, height, birth, date of birth. I actually probably couldn't do her social security number. I could do her phone number, though, which I feel like for my age is a feat. I could tell you a lot of facts about my wife, but that wouldn't give you a sense of the lived experience of who she is. See, relationships actually take a little bit more work. They take a little bit more embodiment. They take a little bit more trust. They take a little bit of love. This is even true with coworkers. We want like our coworker relationships to just be transactional, like you do this, I do this, da da da. But actually to trust someone to do their job requires a little bit of dignifying that person. You have to actually like love that person and trust them to do that job. Because the alternative is some of you are like me in school 
And when we got assigned to group projects, you're just like, these people aren't going to do anything. I'm going to pull all this way, so I'm going to do everything. But that's not a relationship. I didn't have a relationship with those people. You see, Jonah wanted a transactional relationship with God. I do this, you do this. But God wanted a real relationship. God wanted Jonah to not just know about God's mercy, but he wanted, to, he wanted him to know God's mercy. He wanted them to have a lived experience of God's mercy. And that meant that Jonah had to experience God's mercy in a particular way. Jonah was going to have to love God's mercy, trust God's mercy. Because you see, the problem was is that Jonah had a map knowledge of God's mercy. And so he, he, under, he understood that it's like, okay, yeah, uh, God is merciful, but he's only merciful to this segment of people, and that's my people. God was like, I need you to have this lived experience of just how merciful I am with you so that you can know how merciful I am with others. So now we see that in order to experience God's mercy, we not only have to know ourselves, but we also have to know and have a lived experience of God's mercy. How do we go about doing this? I think if we use that term loving God, like we're going to know God by loving God, because you can have a map knowledge of God, and that's actually quite important. So like these catechism questions that we do help give us a lay of the land and categories in which to put things, but we're, we're finite people, and so we're going to have a lived experience of God in a particular way. Uh, and that lived experience means that some of those questions are going to hit us differently. We're going to be like, I know exactly what they're talking about there. In other ones, we're kind of going to go through and be like, I, I mean, I, I believe that to be true, uh, but, but I, you know, I don't have a lived experience of that yet. So we can have this map knowledge, and you can study God's Word and, and like put Scripture in, in theological categories. You can do all this, but actually you need to ask God for a little bit more. You need to ask God to love these things that you're learning. I think one really practical way to know God and know God in the way that creates love for God is actually to pray back to God those things that are true about him. And we see this with Jonah. Uh, when he goes through this prayer, um, not all of our Bibles do this, but if you have some connection, uh, you have those cross-references, uh, he quotes from the, like 12 different Psalms. And I kind of wonder if Jonah in the fish is going, man, I'm like experiencing God's mercy in a new way, and I know these things to be true, but now I'm living them. And so I'm, I'm going I'm to pray them back to God until they become so formative in who I am that I'm a changed person. And I would encourage you not just to pray back to God about God's mercy, because see, Jonah struggled with God's mercy. I would venture to doubt that most of us probably don't struggle with the fact that God would be a merciful God. But actually that God is holy and would judge people. That's a harder thing to accept. We don't actually quite know how to piece that together in our brain. It kind of leaves us like, uh, I might have some map knowledge, but I don't have this lived experience. 
I would encourage you to go do that work. Find those aspects of God's holiness in his word and pray that back to him. Another way to do this, and it's something that we're kind of doing right now, but that we especially do is we kind of break into smaller groups. And we hear how God's mercy works in each other's lives. We hear how God's judgment and holiness works in each other's lives. We actually learn from each other. And we're able to know and get a kind of borrowed, lived experience in a category of our map knowledge that we may not have had before. Because we know one another. Because we love one another. And as we hear those stories of God's faithfulness and God's mercy, God's holiness, it helps round out who God is for us. It's not that it's not in his word. It's not that we can't have the map knowledge. It's that we need a lived experience and we need a story to attach that to. Having a lived knowledge of God, and I'll conclude with this, uh, requires that you know and love his son Jesus. And I want to be a little bit careful here. You know, in like John 6, Jesus says that no one can come to the Father unless it's through him. And so sometimes we think that there's this access to God and this map knowledge of God, but this lived experience of God can only come through a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the only way. It's the only way to experience that intimate, personal knowing. Now, in the context of John 6, if you were going to go read this later, it's kind of near the end of John 6, um, it seems actually a little bit unmerciful how Jesus is speaking. There's a lot of context work that I can't do for John 6 right now because we're in Jonah. Um, But I would encourage you, as you think about your relationship with Jesus, and you think about that trust that that needs and that love, those, those little lowering of barriers in order to know God better, I would invite you to look at the mercy that Jesus shows people. What kind of a person is Jesus? He knew how deep the rabbit hole went. He knew all the sins. He knew all the failures. In our New Testament reading a little bit earlier in the service, I think he knew when Peter walked out onto the water that Peter was going to fall in. but he didn't shy away from his calling. You see, in Jesus, God's mercy is most clearly evident, not only for us to look back on, but also for us to experience. And we can experience because on the cross, God's mercy and judgment were actually unified. Jesus was the only one who knew himself The only one who knew God and never messed it up at all. He was the only one that didn't need to die. That didn't deserve to be at the bottom of the ocean or in the belly of a fish. The only one. And yet he pursued us not just to the bottom of the ocean, but to the bottom of death. And he died so that he might rescue us from the chains of death. 
he might show us his unbelievable mercy. So as we seek to apprehend and experience God's mercy, we learn from Jonah that we need to know ourselves. We also learn from Jonah that we need to know God. And by the work of Jesus, we learn too that mercy is made most evident right there for you and for me. And I'd invite you to know that God if you don't. Continue seeking the map knowledge, but also a heart knowledge. Continue asking him that he might show you those blind spots through these people that he's put in your life. That you might be more humble than Jonah and be able to receive them. That you might be able to repent and turn back. That you might be able to die to self and so be resurrected in Christ. God was never far from Jonah. And God is never far from you and his abundant mercy. Would you pray with me?